0: You're listening to Lily's Legacy, a podcast series compiled from oral histories and produced as part of a digital exhibition exploring how liberal Judaism has evolved since it was co-founded by British visionary Lily Montague in 1902. This episode explores a theme of founders and pioneers of liberal Judaism. This series of podcasts and the exhibition of which it is part honours the contribution of Lily Montague to the foundation of Liberal Judaism. Lily founded the movement with Claude Montefiore and Israel Mattock. Together, they were known as the Three M's. In this episode, participants paid tribute to the Three M's, as well as other pioneers and influential figures. For over a century, Liberal Jews have been indebted to the dedication of a number of Liberal rabbis and lay readers. Some of them are remembered and honored in this episode.
1: When I first became a liberal Jew, we were very much influenced by the Three M's, Rabbi Mattock, Lily Montague and Claude Montefiore. Certainly here we've
2: sold Three M's quite often, but It's a very distant memory to most. I go to text class on Tuesdays and Alex was going around about things like cash and Quite a lot of the text class were brought up on Israel Mattock's book The Essentials of Liberal Judaism. But the next generation think quite differently. His was a fairly radical Judaism. First of all, you chucked out cash secondly you chucked out head covering you checked out the book having to go elisee back to front you cut out hebrew we didn't have hebrew was an optional subject which you did at religion school when i was a child here and there was no need to bother to learn hebrew because we didn't use hebrew and a choir up and a choir loft it was a non-jewish choir singing i think it was a. A concentration on the spirituality, which I notice is now debunked, possibly because, of course, modern theological ideas have changed and things have changed. The concept of belief in God, which was absolutely fundamental to the 3Ms, has been so much changed.
3: Dr. Mattock, I remember well was elderly and when I remember him best was uh, because the synagogue had been bombed during the war we couldn't use it for the high holidays so we used to go to the friends meeting house in Euston Road and um, I always used to join my father again in the afternoons of Yom Kippur and I couldn't wait for the service to end. Dr Mattock used to always take the final blessing. He was very old-fashioned he always raised his hands and said and peace be upon you. From
4: about 1942 We left the Belsai Square and my father joined the Liberal Jewish Synagogue in St. John's Wood which was then the senior rabbi was Israel Matuk, a very brilliant man. I suppose today his Judaism would not be accepted by the establishment but he was a very, very brilliant speaker and a very moving and a very lovely personality and perhaps a bit of a showman because I always remember how he, when he did the final blessing, he lifted up the talus high up. Perhaps you could say today he was a showman, but it was very successful.
5: I met Claude Montefiore, I was quite close to Leslie Edgar, I knew Mattock, who wasn't easily approachable, but we knew each other and I was working my way up through the youth movement.
1: We had a very good rabbi called Rabbi Hooker, who really put us on the map. And then later on, we had a rabbi called Zucker, who came from America, who really made the connection with the other communities and was very much accepted, not only by our community, but by the whole Jewish community of Birmingham.
5: Well, um, we had fairly early on, Alaban was appointed as a mm-hmm. rabbi. He was mm-hmm. the third rabbi at the LGS at the time. And we had a series of student rabbis and also David Goldstein, who was also an old boy of my school. He was a few years older than me. Um, keep coming across these Jews everywhere that went to my school. <laughs> <laughs> he was with us up, just up until we, we started buying the building. And uh, we had several student rabbis. There was Kenneth Cohen. Who's American? He became the chief rabbi of Wales, I believe. He was the only one there afterwards. The best one was Danny Gottlieb, who was our rabbi when we were building the shore. And he was so popular, uh, the LPS allowed him to stay in another year because officially, only supposed to be one year. The student rabbi was only assigned
6: to uh, congregations for a year. but. He was with us for at least two. I'm here, I'm, the, I'm one of the wardens of Brighton and Hove Progressive Synagogue, look after on a Shabbat morning service. And I think my first ever lesson in how to do wardening was when I was five years old, when somebody who was very much involved with the Liberal movement, Joe Swinburne, was the warden at the North London Progressive Synagogue and had to tell me off for misbehaving during the service. At that time in Liberal Judaism, you had some people that would have been very much influenced by Lily Montagu. We had a rabbi called, or he was a reverend in those days, and he he was Herbert Richer, a very influential rabbi at that time in, in the movement. We also had the influence of Germany, because at that time in the synagogue, the synagogue didn't only have a rabbi, it had cantor, music was very important, and it had an organ. And uh, we had this Kentor, who was only for a few years because he didn't retire, Who was Lewandowski. And It must have been related to you know the Lewandowski's that uh, produced a lot of the music we have in our services. And I remember as a child, I always, sometimes used to say to you, maybe you know, maybe one day you would like to become a husband, because I used to like to, to, to pretend I was at the, in those days. But no, no, uh, no it wasn't the case. The minister was
7: uh, Reverend Herbert Richard. In those days they Liberals called all their ministers reverends. Uh, eventually they became rabbis. Herbert Richard was really a dynamic person. I suppose I could call North London my alma mater synagogue because all I learned was really from there. It was a strong Zionist synagogue stemming from when Morris Pearlswick the founder really a founder minister was there Uh, unlike the rest of liberal judaism he was very pro israel and uh, or or the founding of a state of israel that continued right way through the life of of north london they arranged uh, trips to israel Ambulances for Mogaduvi Dom and so many other things. But the community itself was very dynamic. They were a wonderful bunch of people. In the late 60s, the union had the remarkable foresight to employ Rabbi Sidney Bricto from America. And Sydney was a r- most dynamic person. He really was. And he could easily persuade the t- birds from the trees. He was. Uh, really a dynamic man to having control of, of the whole setup and it brought the movement back to life a bit because it was, it was getting a bit uh, stained in its, in its ways. In around about 1975 I think, in the push to try and get more Jews to become involved in progressive Judaism, Sydney approached myself Harold Miller and Joe Swinburne and asked if we would be willing to set up a branch of North London in Elford because Elford at that time had the largest Jewish community in Europe and I pointed out to him that uh, uh, there was already a liberal shawl in South Woodford, there was one uh, reform shawl and, uh, and also four Orthodox synagogues. but I said nonetheless for that I still thought there was room for us.
6: As my life is always very much influenced by Liberal Judaism, I was permits for that North London Progressive Synagogue by Sidney Brichter, who was a very important member of the uh, of, of, Liberal, of Liberal Judaism. He was executive director and at that time was taking the services at North London Progressive Synagogue. And he wasn't a particularly tall person, I was um, always been tall and he always gave a blessing to the mitzvah boy and on this occasion he had to comment that he had to look up for the mitzvah boy rather than actually look down to the person.
8: I remember we had Rabbi Rainer who was the chief rabbi at the time and one of my memories is that he took us away to Oxford I think, to or Cambridge <laughs> and we went to a theological college and we were like students there so we each had our own room and it was an amazing experience really i don't think i appreciated it at all at the time but it it, uh, that was the sort of teaching for the confirmation but i know that liberal judaism was criticized then for the confirmation process that it it made it too much like the christian confirmation and more recently but mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs have come back into fashion i suppose and both of my daughters were bat mitzvahed
9: there's a lot of debate um, in among progressive jews not just liberal jews about how far you change prayers in order to say what you believe and how far you reinterpret and i can see both views, but I think I'm still where John Rayner was, which is that, you know, you should change things you don't believe you can say. He was full of integrity, so, you know, he was never afraid to speak out, for example, on Israel and Palestine. He was very clear about what progressive Jewish values were. I know at our ordination service, there were certain prayers he said he wouldn't lead because he felt in all sincerity he couldn't say them and that always stuck with me having that sort of courage to be really clear what you believe and what you're willing to say. I don't remember the exact prayer, but I know that when we were ordained our prayers were a mixture of reform and liberal and I suspect it was something related to redemption or something. I'm not sure. And at the same time, you know he was an innovator and he reintroduced traditions to liberal Judaism. So he again made Judaism both more radical and more traditional. So he introduced it to Kunlel Shavuot for the night of Shavuot, which go on all night. And one of my great Jewish experiences in my twenties was going to that at the Liberal Jewish Synagogue and learning for a whole night with him. Mm-hmm. And like so many great teachers, yeah, it was who he was really. And it's sometimes just hard to say exactly. You can name some things that I have. But they're also towering figures and from what my dad and from what John said about Lily Montague I think she was
3: the same that she just had this sort of aura about her. Both sets of parents members of the United Synagogue wouldn't hear of having me married in a liberal synagogue so I consulted John Rayner whom I knew very well Rabbi John Rayner as what what to do because I didn't want to have an enormous row. He advised me it was okay to get married at Brixton. I got married at Brixton United Synagogue. And although we were living uh, in, in, in Tooting and there was Streatham United Synagogue, um, my father, for some reason or other, wanted it to be at Brixton. So I'm afraid I've got a, a, a United Synagogue tuber. <laughs> when John said, "Do it. Get don't don't you know? It's not the time to fall out with your parents." and it was both sets of parents, so I did it. We always said one day we'll have a liberal wedding, but we, we never got round to it. He was a student when I first knew him, but then his first appointment was at South London where I was a member. John was a, a mixture of very formal and, and serious and, and the other side of him was telling jokes, just being a, norm, a normal human, human being. I think many people only saw John's uh, serious side and of course, you know, very academic, very knowledgeable indeed. Um, I've I've seen him standing on his head. Well, I think he was a very important figure in liberal Judaism. He was sort of seen, I think in a way, although he didn't have that title, as, as a senior rabbi in liberal Judaism. People would listen to John and and regard him as the expert and and at the same time perhaps a little unapproachable maybe because he was so much looked up at i suppose on the other hand he was a very warm and very very caring person i think he certainly was seen as 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 someone who spoke for liberal judaism
1: we got a phone call from
3: Rosita rosenberg
1: who was then administrative secretary of what was the ULPS. She said, would you be interested, Brenda, in helping start a synagogue locally? I jumped at it. I knew Rosita very well because she'd been part of the Dare Tummies Youth Group. So from there, we went to various meetings with other people from Streatham Synagogue and from St John's Wood Synagogue who all lived fairly locally and all were all in the same position as ourselves with children growing up and having to spend hours on a Sunday taking them to religion school. And so we held a meeting at a big assembly rooms in Surbiton, and from that meeting I think 50 families signed up to start the synagogue at three Guineas a head. We
4: decided to visit the Southgate Liberal Synagogue as it was then and met a very wonderful human being, Rabbi Harry Jacobi. And We lived very much under the guidance of men like Harry and his lovely wife Rose. It was a very nice, happy synagogue.
9: He was really committed to Liberal Judaism He thought it contributed to the world. He thought that a really important part of what it was there for was to make a wider contribution. He was quite universalist in his outlook, although particularist too, and, um, you know, he was a Zionist, but not a critical Zionist as well. And there again, that's where he valued progressive Judaism in Israel. This was very important to him, is that he thought it should never stay fixed. He always wanted to be changing. And he exemplified that because he was always changing his mind. Right to at our last rabbinic meeting, a retreat, he said something that completely surprised me because he, for years he'd been saying one thing and then he said something different. And he thought that's how progressive Judaism should be, always ready to change and adapt. He really encouraged young people to have creative services, and he became concerned at one point that young people were being too traditional. <laughs> so he really was always you know, looking ahead, looking to the future, looking what needed to be done differently in changing times.
0: This podcast series of oral histories is part of the exhibition Lily's Legacy, Voices and Visions of Liberal Judaism, a project supported by the National Lottery Heritage Fund. It was produced by Mary Lawrence and Lucia Scazzaccio, sound editing and design by Lucia Scazzaccio, and special thanks to all the contributors who agreed to share their stories for more information about what you've just heard, do visit the exhibition website www.lily'slegacyproject.com.